Hi guys, welcome to the church split. My name is Will, and of course you guys know what we do here. We have the Escape Your Church's Echo Chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. So go ahead and like and subscribe to the channel, do all the internet stuff. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Uh, but if you're gonna roast us, I always ask again that you make it really creative and good. So if you're gonna hate us, hate us right. But uh, what on Apple, actually, we, we haven't had a review for a minute, so you should definitely do that. Uh, so that'd be good. Anyhow, but with no further ado, um, I do have a friend of mine who is joining me, an old friend of mine, actually, uh, on the channel. Uh, He's an old friend of mine and is a friend of the channel, but many of you guys probably don't know who he is. So I'll introduce you to him. But of course, um, before we do that, don't forget to also, uh, if you want some more of our content, you want it sooner, uh, you could join our Patreon for just a dollar a month. And we do put my apologetics classes up there uh, a month ahead of time before we drop them. I always forget to mention that. And so I want to make sure I mention that. So you get content yourself. So anyway, with that being said, my friend Jeremy Williams is with us today, and he is a friend of mine from way back in the day. We've probably known yep. each other, what, 10 we, years, man? Is that We met in the year 1 BC. 1 BC. <laughs> Before Cali. Before Cali. You're so, you're so dumb, but yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, that is hilarious. So yeah, we've probably, we've been friends now for about 10 years. Um, we always, uh, it was funny because we we're actually at 1 BC. Uh, I was dating <laughs> some other person at the time. And so was Jeremy. So don't let him. Yeah, that's right. Don't let him fool you. And we're married. We, we, we let go of the women and we just found each other instead. Okay, I'm, I'm, done. I'm done, I'm sorry. Um, but the friendship stayed. Uh, we connected really strongly as just good friends and we message each other once in a while and then we reconnected uh, yeah. once we kind of started this podcast and a lot of, we kind of got reconnected. Now we chat regularly. Regularly. So, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so the way he, he's helped us quite a bit, just on the back at the end of things, giving us good ideas, giving us production ideas because he actually does that. I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you tell, talk about what you do. No, go for it. You're good. Um, and then also, well, also I, I'm going to be terrible explaining what you do because I don't do what you do. So I'll just be like, <laughs> he does audio tech stuff. Um, and that's about it. But, um, not only that, but he's also helped us get ideas on how we can, um, better and more efficiently run the channel, things along that nature. Some things that we're going to hopefully bring over to Black Sheep Theology uh, and help out with that. But things are slow going because we're all busy and we have full-time jobs. So. That's right. Um, and also, I have the attention span of a gnat. But anyway, uh, anyway, Jeremy, uh, would you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you came from, what you do, and why should anyone should care about what you have to say? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I, where I came from is a long story. I'm a missionary brat. Um, I have lived over the past 30 years. I think I counted. I've moved over 20 times. Um, sometimes it's multiple times in a year just because of the nature of mission work or little things like that. But um, for the past decade, I have been in Nashville, Tennessee, or thereabouts and i have absolutely loved it um like, like i said i grew up spent five years in europe on the mission field and then in uh, about 11 as a pk and then we jumped right back into mission work which is uh how i ended up meeting the person that introduced me to will um because my wife will probably watch this i'm not supposed to mention her name um but then uh yeah so we formed a friendship and then you started the channel and um long story short um god worked good things from a tragedy 
Um, I was hospitalized with a um, miscarriage that I just completely lost the term, but basically she lost about 40% of her blood. And um, we ended up, she ended up on the couch for about four to six weeks doing recovery. So she's on the couch for, you know, four to six weeks doing recovery. And she said, uh, you know, I'm going to check out this podcast that Jeremy has, has told me about that his buddy runs. And uh, she turned on and happened. The first episode that popped up was the Nathan Rager episode. And uh, that introduced her to the RFP. So I was working construction at the time. And she said, babe, you've got to check out this podcast. It sounds like the place you grew up, like they're talking about the things you've, you've told me you grew up in. And so then she, she and I start kind of listening together um, through the episodes and she goes, uh, um, she goes, wait, did you guys actually believe that? And I'd said, babe, that's liberal compared to what we believed. Uh, <laughs> we, we were so much stricter than even that. And uh, she just couldn't believe it. I had tried to tell her what, what it was like and you know some of the standards and things and she just had no clue uh, and I just saw, I said, look, you had an awesome pastor who did a good job making sure you guys were independent. And he, he knew a lot of the pitfalls because of where he was youth pastor at, but I said, he did an awesome job and your parents did a phenomenal job keeping you guys. And, uh, so I, I'm very grateful for that as we learn to gr know about the grace of God and just the, the freedom that's in him. Um, and so through all that, I, I was working construction, working alone a lot of times. So I just burned through the, uh, the RFP episodes and I was like, well, maybe I should actually listen to Will's podcast for once. And uh, so I listened to a few episodes and started right at the beginning. And I, that's when I think I finally reached out and I was like, dude, this is awesome. I'm listening through it. And you're like, bro, that is so much content. And I think I caught up in like three months um, because I was working eight to 10 hour days, you know, largely unsupervised doing drywall and painting. And so what do you do? You throw headphones in. And, uh, so that led one thing led to another on that, but, uh, currently, uh, so I've spent the last 10 years, um, working at music city Baptist church, um, about nine years really. And helping with, with that church plant, pastor Ben Graham doing a work down in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, helping the church grow. I came in to help with the tech and, and just to pursue music. That's what I wanted to do. I had been in a ministry home my whole life. I was done with ministry and uh, just wanted to, you know, do what I was passionate about. And uh, God had other plans. And when you take to heart to delight in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart, he really does that in a way you don't expect. Um, we had a guy come in who, who ran youth and music and then he left. And I said, well, we can either go back to the assistant pastor doing it. Or I told Pastor Graham, I said, I can do it. And, you know, I'm not going to build anything for me because I'm trying to be a stage musician. And he goes, sure, go for it. And so I took over worship. And then um, my wife and I got married and uh, she was a little discouraged about the um, lack of people our age in the church because we'd only been around a few years. And um, I said, well, that means we need to get involved. Not, you know, if you see a problem, you don't just jump ship, you, you get involved. So I went to Pastor Graham. I said, hey, my wife and I see this issue. He said, well, um, it's not quite your age group, but would you consider running the youth program? And I was like, sure, let's get involved. And I fell in love with teaching and uh, had run from it for years and uh, just jumped into the youth group. And then we bought a building and kind of took over a church that was uh, the pastor was retiring and several people joined and um, we got a new guy leading the worship and he was absolutely incredible. Uh, we still talk to this day and um, for about four to five years, God gave me my dream of being a musician and I played with one of the top bands in Nashville every Sunday on stage. 
and through all that, I went deeper and deeper into the word and studying and, um, God has just called me into the ministry. I ended up becoming assistant pastor and now I'm leading a church plant, uh, in the next County North, uh, closer to where I live. And we've been, uh, working at Sunrise Ridge Baptist for about a year, helping get that planted. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. God's doing work in our County. Right. Now. And, uh, so that's my background. Um, you know, I've spent, a I can say I'm 30 and uh, I've spent probably 25 years of that memorizing the Bible, studying, learning, growing, and just falling in love with God. So that's awesome. And, uh, you have, you're actually a pretty good preacher too. And so, uh, if you guys want, you can check out his personal channel where he's uploading his sermons, what he does. You can check them down in the description below. I actually have, uh, it's one of the few people that I don't get bored when I listen to. And, uh, and by the way, if you guys know my personality, you know, that is, uh, that is a big deal to me. So, um, because I actually have a hard time finding a lot of pastors engaging and I actually really enjoy Jeremy's style. It's funny it's witty it's also deeper than most people and it's as he he takes things at a different approach so i think you'll enjoy it um so i think you and i both share a similar uh we both like similar styles which i think is why you oh, yeah. do have similar styles which is probably why also you and i have a hard time latching on to <laughs> every speaker because it's like you and i are like no no this is, i need I kind of have like a monkey brain that needs you to be a little, little sporadic and enter and keep me entertained. But I also, I, I have like a snobby brain that needs you to go deeper. So it's a weird balance yeah. that you have to try to shoot down the, the pigeonhole for <laughs> our brains to latch onto. Uh, so I appreciate that. And I, and well, hey, the style I try to do so it takes one to reach one. So, <laughs> right. We're the only two people in the world who, who enjoys that style. <laughs> right. Everyone else is like, can you, can God, God just style? called me to preach to will. That's it. That's it. That's the only one. Somebody needs to, uh, besides my wife, she does that enough. Uh, but anyway, um, she never even watched. Actually, it was funny is that uh, my wife does not hardly ever listen to the church split. So she's like, I just hear you talk about it all the time. Like, I already know what you're talking about. So what's the point? Like, uh, oh. I, you know, you hear the stories of pastors who run their sermons by their wives. Mine told me to stop because she said, I want to actually enjoy it on Sunday. <laughs> oh, so, I'm not allowed to give her like any cool insights, anything that gets me excited. I, I'm like, hey, babe, did you? Never mind. Never mind. You you look beautiful. All right, moving yes. on. <laughs> Our kid uh, did something really cool. I don't know what it was because I'm making this up on the spot. But yeah, I'm I'm not talking about what I'm gonna preach tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so uh, now a while ago, uh, Jeremy reached out to me and was has been become had become pretty passionate about uh, the topic of idolatry in America. Yep. So this will actually be a different. Uh, a different, I guess, interview than most. Uh, a lot of times when we have interviews on, we have scholars, philosophers, theologians, and we talk about one particular topic or two, and we kind of give people like an introductory uh, view of it. We kind of interact with the uh, idea. So what you're minute. saying is I am not a scholar or a theologian. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I was actually when I was telling uh, Callie beforehand, I was like actually looking forward to this because it's less, it's less like ooh, let's pick apart this one crazy idea, and this is more like let's get so down to something practical yeah. that actually does have some deep implications Absolutely. that can actually hit you where you live a little bit, 
and also is a real problem that yeah. we all overlook. So it is an issue that splits churches because idolatry is prevalent everywhere. Absolutely. So it is, but it is just nice where we don't have to be like, well, what is uh, internalist epistemology? You know, it's not like <laughs> we have to break something down that's super strange and obscure for people who aren't nerds. So uh, anyway, um, so you reached out to us a while to, to, to us a while ago about this topic, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, things have been crazy. We're always about six months to a year almost out on scheduling, trying to get people out. It seems like every time we try it, to do it quickly, it doesn't work. It was about two. Yes, it does not surprise. <laughs> um, so it, and you and I uh, talked about it. We just scheduling is just difficult. So, oh, yeah. um, but anyway, we do want to talk about that. And I'm hoping uh, Jeremy and I were like, I was, we were talking in the pre-show uh, that we should try to do this more because we just get along so well. And I would hate for it to rob you guys of, of my friend's presence. <laughs> so I was once told in a comment after I had like one of my third friends on and we had a conversation that they're like, you know, I'm starting to realize that the church split. The reason why I subscribe is because Will's friends are really cool, not Will himself. And I was like, wow, thanks, dude. Random person in the comment section, but also that be facts. Uh, so uh, what was it? Somebody did the meme that said I uh, came for Will stayed for Brian. Yeah, yeah, I still hate them for that. So, um, because that becomes a thing in my household now, uh, they make sure that they all rub that in. So it's a good time. Uh, my 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 ego is distraught, but it's fine. All right. So uh, now let's so let's get into this a little bit. So idolatry being a real problem in the yep. church. Um, it is definitely something we see prevalent in our culture today. I think we saw it a lot during 2020. I even wrote a blog yeah. article called the 2020 witch trials and, uh, the idolatry of ideology. Uh, and I think that was around a similar time when you, uh, it was a little after that, that you, uh, reached out, uh, about this particular topic. I probably should have read that before I came on. <laughs> oh no, no. I just, I just now re remembered it. So you're good. Um, I was like, you know, it's funny. I actually did write on something like that. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was the first church split blog article I wrote, uh, just cause I was so frustrated. Um, but anyway, so, uh, Jeremy, uh, can you kind of give us an introduction on what you're going to say here? I have your notes in front of me and I'll just let, uh, we'll let this rip. All right. Um, so I actually became passionate about this for a few different reasons. One, um, uh, I, as far as family lore goes, I am part Israeli. And I say that because it, it's easier to distinguish people ask, like, when you say you're part Jewish, what does that mean? I'm like, okay, genetically, I've been told, and I uh, there's a lot of weird stuff in the background on this, but that my great-grandfather was a full-blooded Jew. So as I went through, after I finished the church split, I jumped on the hermeneutics podcast, and someone was like, you know, going through and learning about that. And they're like, just get back to the original meaning. I'm like, well, what was the original meaning of the Bible? Okay, well, and, and somehow I just got into trying to find a good, Torah class. And that's when I found Tom Bradford's Torah class, which I loved because it put a, it went through the Jewish perspective in light of the gospel. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I went through, they met once a week. It took them about five years to go through the books of Moses. And I went through that in six months and I was soaking it up and I just, I, I couldn't get enough. I saw the the Bible in in a way I'd never seen it. Um, I saw God in a way that in twenty eight ish years I had never seen Him. Um, and he he rightly pointed out that the church preaches grace in the New Testament and law and anger and wrath in the Old Testament, and it appears as if there's two different gods. And I actually had someone question me on this one day at, at work when I worked 
uh, before I married Sarah. And I had to be like, no, it's the same God. He's like, I actually heard a theory that the New Testament God rose up and killed the Old Testament God. And I was like, no, 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 it's the same God. And and I knew in my head that he was yet the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when when Tom got to, um, I think it's, it's Genesis 9 where it says, Noah found grace. He stopped the whole thing and he, he pointed that out, that that's a teaching. And he said, grace has never been a New Testament concept. It has always been the method that God used because Noah was saved by grace. And I was, I can still picture, I was working um, on, on some drywall and paint and I fell to the floor and wept because for the first time in 28 years, God was the same from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, that class just changed so much of, of my walk with God, my understanding of scripture. And I reached the end of Deuteronomy and I told my wife, I was like, I think I need to go back because I went through that too fast. And um, so I ended up going back through Genesis instead of moving on to Joshua. And through all that, he talked about it, like there was this prevailing concept of God being our everything. And um, I ended up at some point listening to For Freedom, and they recommended this book, Gospel Treason, by Brad Bigney. And uh, so I got that on Audible, and I listened to that, and I was floored because I saw in today's world, we don't think of idolatry being, being a thing today. We're like, no, no, nobody does that. I mean, yeah, we've got false religions and some of them do it, but in America, we're largely Christian or maybe we have the atheist, but like, no one's going and bowing down and doing all this and sacrificing children anymore. Like we've pushed it off. And yet there are so many references, even in the New Testament to idolatry. And Brad Bigney pointed out this this quote he said that first john 5 21 says little children keep yourselves from idols and that's the very last verse of first john and there's 105 verses in that book that word idol is only mentioned in the very last verse and it's the last word of that book look at the rest of the book you cover the nature of the incarnation you cover the fellowship with God and, and with each other. Christ is being our advocate, loving your brother. Don't love the world, the spirit of the Antichrists, um, what it means to be children of God, God is love, how we overcome the world. All these great positive and, and good warnings. Not once is idolatry mentioned. And yet he closes with the, these words, keep yourselves from idols. And Brad went through in such a, a gentle way and talked about how in his own life, his family had become idol, how his ministry had become an idol, how he was mad. Uh, one of the stories he told that was mind-blowing, he said, I got mad because older pastors who didn't have the responsibilities at home that I had got to stay and work late and study the Bible and devote themselves to the work of God, and I had to go home and be a father and husband, and I've resented my wife for that. And he said, that was out of God's priority and it became an, my ministry became an idol in my life. And he pointed out how even good things can become idols. And it made me start looking at my life and, and the things that I do and the things I say and the people around me. And the definition he gave for idolatry was so powerful. It was anything that elevates itself over the gospel. And I would take that a step further and really say that it's anything that elevates itself above your relationship with God. 
growing up, there was so much preaching to, to the, especially the youth group of find the will of God for your life. And there was less teaching on how to have a relationship with God. Which oddly enough, by the way, the whole find the will of God in your life. Like, I'm sorry, is this like, is it a needle in a haystack? What do you mean yeah. find it? Is it hiding somewhere? Where yeah. do I find it? And, and it's ironic because uh, I, I have worked multiple jobs. Um, I've, I'm doing ministry and different things and, you know, just making ends meet. And I, I hit a point where I ended up self-employed and kind of was looking to do that. And I have done that now for the past four years. And we went through a span of time where I had no work. I had a few different potential clients, but it was hourly as needed. And my wife and I were both just like, what are we going to do? And I, I, when I was youth pastor, we worked through, and, and this series is on my YouTube channel, we're, we're teaching it at the church now, um, called The Building Blocks of Christianity. And I, I focused everything for the teens on faith. And I said, the best way you can exercise your faith and grow your faith is to take a, prom a conditional promise of God and apply the condition to your life. And God brought up this passage that said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. God said, don't worry about where you're going to get food, how you're going to pay your bills. He said, be a good man. That's your condition. And I was like, God, I need like X amount of money this week. He goes, I know. I was like, okay, so what do I do? He said, be a good man. I was like, okay, but how do I provide for my family? He said, well, be a good husband. It's like, yeah, I got to be a good husband by providing. And he's like, no, look around you. Your wife needs help at home. Okay, but God, that doesn't pay the bills. No but you're needed at home tomorrow or today. I'm like, okay. So I get up, I start working. And the next thing I know, I get a phone call says, Hey, can you show up at such and such time tomorrow? I need, I need your help the rest of the week. I'm like, okay. And then it was, it would end. That was Sunday to Saturday. And then I'd wake up Sunday morning. Like, okay, God, we have this, this bills. You got this this week. Yeah. Okay. What do I do tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. There's work to do at home. You don't work. You don't eat work at home. If I haven't given you work to pay, I'm like, Oh my gosh this again. And it went on for like eight weeks. That was a weekly routine. And I learned that the will of God, that if I was lived righteously, lived and did what I knew was right, not only would he ordain my steps and cause me to walk in his path, but it made him happy. He says he delights in, in that. And it changed my outlook completely on, on what faith was and what it meant to walk by faith. Um, and I can look back on decisions in my life where it was like, I made one decision. I, I can look back at, at one choice right now. And if I did, if I make that choice the other way, I go to a completely different college. I don't move to Alabama. I don't end up meeting Will. I don't end up moving to Nashville because I never would have followed my parents uh, to, to the South. And I never, I, I wouldn't have met my wife and I wouldn't have my daughters from one choice in my life that had I gone the way that opposite of what I believe God wanted, none of that would have fallen into place. Why? Because we honor God with a choice. And so th this is to me what it means for idolatry is we start putting these other things above that relationship. And I've, I told the teenagers when I was a youth pastor, I said, you can idolize the pursuit of God's will over the pursuit of God himself. And that's wrong. Cause you see, yeah, you're because you're searching for some sort of enigma almost. Because yeah, I, I remember that always confused me as a kid. It's like pursue the will of God, 
find the will of God for your life and then pursue it with everything. I'm like, how do I find it? I just remember praying, God, what's your will for my life? As opposed to what he says, which is to seek God and honor him, yeah. walk with him and walk humbly with your God. That's what he says. And it was such a, and it took me a while to figure that out where I'm like, wait, if I just obey God, I'm fulfilling God's will for my life. And then he will yeah. direct my steps. And it, and it became so much clearer as time went on. Uh, and even now, like, yeah, you say one single decision. I, I, I think of that very specific decision, too. I left Crown College. I was done with the IFB. I was done with all the nonsense. And um, I left, and it was after, after fall break. I had to think about that. I was like, it's fall break? Yes. And so I was on Christmas break, actually. So it's after the first semester. And I was like, I'm not going back. I'm done. I'm done with this nonsense. I'm so sick of it all. I, I don't I don't need an IFB degree to go pastor somewhere. I can study the Bible on my own. I can be self-taught, self-studied, because this place is a joke. And I didn't know of any other place, because in my mind, as I was taught, every other place is horrible, liberal, no good, very bad place. And so yeah, I was about, what? So your college was liberal, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. Crown College is liberal in comparison. I actually always joke around with Micah and a, f and, and a few others at the, the Hiles crowd and my crowd uh, did not necessarily get along. But we yep. looked at the Hiles crowd as like the, the backwood rednecks of, of the IFB. They're, they're just dumber than us. <laughs> Truth be told, they're all dumb. But anyhow, um, it was all the ideology was silly. But then what I, but I just felt like I should go back. And it was so annoying. I was a week into when the semester was supposed to start. I called the vice president up. We, they got me enrolled. I drove down. And I was like, God, why do you want me back here? I really feel like I should be here, but I don't know why. I hate this place. And God's up there going, because you forgot your wife, bro. <laughs> and I Callie, and I left. <laughs> not that you'll uh, ever hear this because you don't watch Will's show, but we are all thankful that we'll listen to God. <laughs> yes, we are very, if you know, if everyone who knows my wife knows the fact that I won out on that. Um, in fact, we've been talking about having her on the channel. My wife just hates, hates being the center of attention. She hates being in front of cameras. She hate the whole idea of her is like, she just hates it. But I did ask her if we hit a certain subscriber account, would she ever do like a ask Will's wife, anything live stream? And she said that could be fun because then she can make fun of me. So all my it. friends and loved ones only <laughs> want to roast me. That's I live to be hated. Um, yeah. Then, then the uh, then the internet people are like, I can say mean stuff on my keyboard and it hurt your feelings. I'm like, dude, my wife says meaner things than that. You're gonna have to step it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but idolatry. Yes. Um, yeah, now, so back, the, uh, we, we did say this would probably take a couple hours, including rabbit trails. So <laughs> there's rabbit trail number one. <laughs> Keep going. All right. We, we, All right. We can, so we can do this. Um, According to Galatians 5, 19 through 21, idolatry is listed as a work of the flesh. So that means that as long as the flesh is around, idolatry will be around. This isn't just some kind of pagan sacrificing thing, um, offering up children and, and animals to all the, the fake deities. Uh, this is a work that starts in our own hearts and in our lives. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.10 warns us to flee from idolatry, and this is a New Testament command, so we should assume that as part of the New Testament church, um, it is applicable. Um, so that led me to ask the question, what is idolatry at its basic definition? So I love dictionary.com because, you know, who doesn't? Right. Um, and it just says extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. And so as I started looking at things from going from Old Testament to New and, and, and beyond, 
I noticed this kind of pattern of, you know, we say the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I thought, well, what would that look like with idolatry? And I think that idolatry is fully still around. Uh, it's just changed form. We don't, because when the temple of God moved into man, we are the temple. Well, Satan did what he's always done. He started mimicking. And so he started to manipulate that heart and manipulate that temple. And Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if idolatry is defined by where your heart is, if that treasure and that heart is not in God, then you have an idol by definition, period. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's your, your children. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse. It doesn't matter if it's the service you do at the church. It doesn't matter if it's um, the gym. It, like, it can be anything. It is an idol. Um, and so here, actually, I, I mean, a note to remind myself to come back to this, that I preached a sermon last Sunday called Is He Lord, which is actually stemmed completely from watching the church split because Will redefined a word for me. Uh, and so I looked into it because that's what I'm supposed to do and never take him at face value. Never. And uh <laughs> even though he is Mr. Always Right. Um, and so I went and, yes, where's the sign? Um, and, and we did this discussion on making him your master because that's what the word Lord meant. And we went through, there's four different uses of the word Lord in, in who it's used to and from um, to, to, and defined that. And when it refers to Jesus, it doesn't refer to his deity. It refers to his mastership. And we talked about, is he your master? And we went in and I did my synopsis and, and I was hoping you would roast me on this or at least tell me I'm right, but you never did get back to me on this part um, about my view of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And it boils down to this. In the Garden of Eden, God, let's start this. God is sovereign, period. He is the most powerful being ever uh, all things come from him he is as the hebrew says Elohim, he is the plural of majesty um, nothing comes into existence without him and nothing can be done without him okay but the very definition of love requires free will so god in his sovereignty and his majesty creates a universe and he creates this world and um I've got another rabbit trail here. Speaking of the world, and um, somebody made a comment in a group I'm in about uh, Tolkien and whether or not Lord of the Rings was real. And I said, clearly it's inspired. And Tolkien wrote about the gap that occurred between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And that is where the gap theory is. It's the world of Lord of the Rings. I digress. Earth, of course. Yes. M Middle Earth is the gap from the gap theory. Okay. Um, so, but, you know, he makes all of this and then he makes this garden and he shapes man. Okay. And what does he do? He gives man a choice. He says, don't eat of this tree. If you do, here's what happens. Okay. You have the decision and the negative consequence. Something I try I to teach my daughter all the time. That, it equals death. Yeah, exactly. But the real choice for man at that point wasn't to eat or not to eat. It was, okay, God, God took and pulled back his sovereignty to give free will so that we as the objects of his love could choose to love him back. Because Jordan, love requires choice. My friend Jordan Ferrier, friend of the channel, been on it multiple times. Um, Jordan Ferrier uh, put it this way, that determinism is a risk-free option for God. And in any other view that allows for the free will of man, it's a risk-taking yeah. view where God, where God let go the reins. 
And yeah. the way, I, and that's why I, I, I agree with the synopsis. So, and one, I just real quick, I think because God is all good that he created the best possible creation. He gave mankind freedom because he is good. When he said it is good, when he looked at all things, I said it was yeah. very good. When he said that, that all things were tov, good, then it means their freedom was good as well. Yes. So uh, freedom is good, which we all know, which is why people oppose things like slavery and uh, we people talk about freedom being so important, liberty, because yep. everyone knows inherently that's good. So yep. anyway, I just want to touch on that. But yes, absolutely. absolutely. And so then, but it came down to the real choice was in our free, free will, do we choose dependence and submission or do we choose independence? And that's the choice every human has ever been faced with. It's it's not a matter of sin or not sin. The true dependence come or the true choice comes back to: Am I going to depend on the word of God, the promises of God, the character of God, and fully trust and submit myself to Him as Christ did? And am I going to follow that same example? And that's the real issue. It, it has nothing to do with, and you know, sorry. Calvinist, Armenians, whatever, it doesn't matter. Are we going to choose that God is fully sovereign or, or does man have free will? It's both and. God has full power to knock everything back into place and run all of the tiniest atoms exactly how he wants and micromanage the universe, but he chose not to. So he still has all the power that Calvinists believe he has, but he chose to give us that free will so that we could choose him. And he I would still add that he chose that because it's consistent with his good nature absolutely he won't go he won't go he can't go contrary to his good nature because he is perfectly good exactly and it is that exact reason that idolatry is to this day one of the biggest sins you can commit in judaism i was listening to a rabbi the other day and he said if someone holds a gun to your head and says eat pork eat the pork if someone holds a gun to your head and says touch blood touch the blood. But he said, the moment someone holds a gun to your head and says, sacrifice to an idol, don't you dare. See, and Defer that's, and that's, but that should show the gravity because it's about yes. priority take, right? You have the, the great king, the majesty of the entire universe where words cannot really properly describe, which is yeah. why I always just love the Hebrew term for, for, for God being Hashem, the mm -hmm. name. Like, yeah. What more do you need than that? Just the name, like, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. And um, when you think about the great majesty of the God of this universe and all he asks is that you love him back because he loved you enough to create you and give you all the blessings of a life and yep. also offer you eternal life in him. Um, yeah, that would be quite insulting because to read to, to commit idolatry is to worship something other than hey. And they'll yeah. give the reverence to the one who deserves it. And before people say that makes God an egalomaniac who wants, it's like, no, no. If you do something honorable and you do something good and you took care of a bunch of people and they spat in your face, you, yeah. you, you would have right to demand at least some form of respect. Like, don't, don't I deserve this? Like think of a children, right? We are called, we are all his children. And if we're all God's children and we're all his offspring, if we can quote acts, for all his offspring, then um, just like our children, we can go, no, no, you will respect yep. me. I am your parent. Yep. I you do that me. almost daily. <laughs> right, exactly. My daughter's too. She doesn't quite get it all yet, but she's, she's getting there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so with all of that, we come to this point of saying, okay, if that's the one thing 
And, and actually, in Judaism, I believe there are three of the commands that are basically unbreakable. Okay, idolatry, adultery, and I believe the other is is Sabbath, uh, unless it's for the sake of saving a life. Um, I'm sure Brad or Seamus will correct that if they watch this episode. Um, and so we come, but I started looking. I was like, okay, so what were the idols of the Old Testament? So Tom Bradford actually said that the idols of the Old Testament weren't real. Okay, he believes they're completely false. This is one of the few areas within the Torah, the, the five book Torah club that I've listened to so far, Torah class, um, that I disagree on. Okay, I fully believe that these are real beings. I do not believe they're gods, but I think as real as Satan is, Baal is real. Okay, I think that Ashtaroth, which was I believe uh, the goddess of fertility and sex. Okay, I believe she's real. Or Azazel as well. Or, I actually yeah. do too. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Michael Heiser has done really good work to mm -hmm. show that these are likely actual spiritual yeah. beings of one way or the in one but, way or the other. But just as Satan has changed his techniques as time and technology and, and man's minds have shifted and changed, so have they. Look at what the great debate is today, your sexuality. You had uh, Angel Wilson on, mm -hmm. and the moment he said... I have homosexual desires, but I don't act on them because that's a sin. What did the conversation turn from? It turned from his homosexuality okay to you are denying your own happiness. Mm -hmm. No, he's not. And he said, no, my happiness is in Christ. It was the most amazing testimony. In fact, about a year later, he did a public post talking about how he fell into sin and how he was more miserable in that sin than ever. Like, and yeah, that, he turning to God, like it was a beautiful, repentant post. Uh, yeah, I actually really pr appreciate it. He's such a genuine dude, and his music is also really good. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're right. It's because it's it's the idol of the self yeah. and of your own desires. Like whatever you desire, like just give in to your desires, man. You don't need to discipline yeah. those desires. You don't need to discipline any of your desires. But then of course, where do you start drawing the line on those desires? You All you are doing is bowing at the feet of desire. Yeah. And that has become your idol. Um, another one that I have on my list was Moloch. Of course, child sacrifice was a huge thing in almost every um, form of paganism, right? Well, well, we don't do that. That That is awful, okay? But we sacrifice our children to having the right job, to our reputation when, when, you know, how many pastors who preached against abortion paid for the abortion when it came time for their daughter who had made a mistake. Um, we, all the reasons of convenience yeah, all, have become an idol. Convenience. Yeah. Uh, your image, like what will people think of me? Oh, I'm not ready yet. Uh, there's so many different, oh, my finances. So money yeah. becomes your idol over And yeah, absolutely. And I preached a sermon at Music City one time. That was coming. It was the week before Fourth of July, on on the three cups of sacrifice. And I actually went into this and talked about um, how nationalism has crept into the church and how we we you know David fell humble at the cup of water that was brought to him by three men that he poured it out as a sacrifice. Jesus Christ prayed prayed in the garden, "Let this cup pass from me," but he bore our sorrows. And he, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And yet we look at the sacrifice of the American soldier and we say, I'm proud to be an American. And what has that pride gotten us? And if you, if you do go listen to that sermon, you'll find that it's gotten us in the year 2018, there were 680 legal abortions in the United States. The population of Davidson County, which is Metro Nashville that year, was 640,000. So I told our congregation, I said, this was a government-sanctioned 
um, genocide of the city of Nashville that year. And I said, we're, we're proud of that. And I held my wife in my arms as she miscarried hemorrhage. That was the term I forgot earlier. She hemorrhaged a child that we longed and begged for. And she had to go and, and on it was Christmas day and I thought she was dying. And my two-year-old's in the other end of the house screaming because she just woke up from nap and I have to text my dad saying, 911, I need you now. As I'm carrying my wife into an ER room on Christmas day, losing a child. And I'm supposed to be proud of a nation that legally, legally destroyed the city of Nashville, the equivalent. Why? For women's rights, for equality, for workplace, to cover up other men's crimes. That's not something to be proud of. And right, well, and that's right there. It kind of goes into the whole like, but if all you do is get lost into your national identity, you forget your spiritual identity, you put one before the other, yeah. it can really put you in a bad spot. My wife and I lost two babies within uh, yeah. within six months. It was horrible. Um, while my wife was uh, miscarrying one, I had some people who were upset about some stuff at the church, and they were like, well, we need to meet. We need to meet right now. And I was like, well, my wife's kind of going through some stuff right now. I'm not able. And they said they... Later on, they said, oh, yeah, we, no, we figured it out. We just, you know, we really wanted to meet. And I'm like, yeah, that is the most selfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, are you serious? Um, so, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like, and so a, we can see the clear parallel for Moloch is still around. He's just working with what is in our hearts, what starts in our flesh, our desires. And he says, if I can get them to kill their kids for this, why not? Right. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and Christian nationalism also—that's the yep. whole thing where you're seeing like, oh yeah, like all the pictures I show, like Jesus wrapping his arms around Trump and stuff. Always like, always yeah. make, make me want to vomit. Or even I, the Greg, the Greg Locks of this world—it's have completely taken on the idolatry. They've taken they take the idolatry hook. Um, yeah, and then they throw Jesus on there as a bumper sticker to sell the brand. And I, it's, I had a. A young man who was who had been in my youth group, I wasn't youth pastor anymore, but he was doing some work with me, and he said, I don't see how you can be a Christian and belong to this pol certain political party. And so I was like, okay, teachable moment. Here we go. Because now I will come out and say, and I don't talk about my politics very much, um, I am a conservative libertarian, okay? that That's how I, I like to put it. Um, I don't believe the Republican Party is the Republican Party that my parents loved. Um, what my mom said, the Republican Party stood for, I don't see that anymore. Um, the libertarians are closer. So uh, I am a libertarian. But that said, I believe everyone has their choice. Okay. Um, and so this statement was made. And so I said, well, have you ever asked them why Christians who hold to these beliefs, why they do? And he said, no. I said, okay, so let me tell you, I've asked multiple and they all give me the same answer. And I can tell you that while their result, I believe is wrong, the motive is oftentimes much more in line with the Bible than how a lot of Republicans act. Oh, in case you figured out, I was talking about Democrats. Okay. I mean, I figured that out right Yeah. <laughs> someone says that. Because I, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, because there are different differences in political parties. Yes. And, but one can be a Democrat and be a Christian. Absolutely. Now, I will say that. So I really struggle with, if someone goes, I'm a progressive, 
and a Christian. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. But we have completely departed yeah. at this point from anything biblical. But like you right. said, with those who are Democrat and Christians, the results oftentimes, I'm like, mm, no, I see your heart. I see your motive. I see what you're trying to reach. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're there. Yeah. Well, I found that at the core of it was a desire to care for people. Mm -hmm. They might love socialism because they think trying to care for the poor and needy. Now, we know it's not if you actually study socialism, but that's the reason they love it. They think it's going to answer the problems that the church was called to fix and the church hasn't. We were called to care for the poor and needy. True religion and undefiled is to care for the orphans and widows. We're to love our neighbor. We're to reach out. We're to help those people. And when we don't, they said, okay, well, here's a government program. And if we're not doing it, maybe the government should. Is that the right result? No. But is that a biblical motive? I think it is. Right. And, and a lot of, a lot of uh, I mean, of course, there's always the old adage of um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Oh, so for sure. But I mean, that's the thing. That's, but well, we'll come back to that in a second. I'm glad you brought that statement up. But it does not mean that they're not Christian. Absolutely. Right? And that's the thing. It's like, and also same with people who are hardcore Republicans, even though they fall for the Trumpyism, idolatry, and some of the most ridiculous stuff that I've seen. Because yeah. let's just be honest, there's some cringy stuff on Republican, Christian, like side of things. I'll, I see it too much, and I just, I shiver and want to curl it. Well, over, let's so. just say if you bear the name of Christ and you can wear a shirt that tells you to do something obscene to the president, whether you like him or not. That's not bearing the name of Christ in honesty, which is breaking a commandment called don't bear the Lord's name in vain. If your testimony, and, and this is what I'm getting at, really the whole issue, whatever side of the aisle you're on with Christian nationalism, when you sign your name on the dotted line of becoming a Christian, you chose sides in a spiritual war and you gave up your right to yourself. That That's the whole thing. The whole debate was Paul... Uh, did he have a choice? Yes, Paul had a choice. And Paul tells us he had a choice at his conversion in Acts 26 when he said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly voice. Despite all the pricks he'd been given, despite being knocked down and blinded, he still believed he could have disobeyed, but he didn't. And we look at that point and Paul never looked back on his service. And when we give our lives to Christ, we're his. We are born and we are of a heavenly kingdom. We are no longer, for all intents and purposes, American citizens. We are citizens of the heavenly kingdom and we are ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to America to bear witness, to share the gospel, to tell people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The good news is here. The door has been opened. Come on, you too can have this eternal life. And yet we get caught up on, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> right. Uh, you know. And that's and I, I was actually quite disgusted with what, how I saw quite a few Christians act during all mm -hmm. that too. It just it just showed how bad things really were, and that people really were putting all their faith and hope in a governmental system, yep. uh, which is idolatry. It's yes. you're, you're putting your faith and trust in a political figure as opposed to Jesus Christ, and it's just exactly. you gotta stop it. People, I mean, I, there are times I've been frustrated because I just I'm frustrated when I see when I see uh, souls get drug away to deceit. And um, yes. that, so it's very frustrating when you're like, when you see the, our country going one way, but we already know, we've read the end of the book, right? We know that that's what's going to happen in the end times. Like, I, like spoiler alert, things don't go well, unless you're a yeah. post-millennialist, in which case I find your hermeneutic strange and I love you, but you, what in the world? But anyway, um, and, uh, but um, the, anyway, and that, but there's a couple things that you, that you also wrote down, like 
Some people don't realize that your family and your friends can become idol, idol yes. idols as well. I was I was trying to say idolatry and idols at the yes. same time. It was weird. But your family, which is why Jesus said, if you don't hate your father and mother, he's not saying yeah. to literally hate them, but he's going, whoa, whoa, where are they on your priority list? Your love for him should so far surpass, and, and he lists your wife on there. You know, I love my, my wife's my, my world. Uh, she is far better than I deserve for a wife. Um, she... Will has heard her sense of humor. It far surpasses mine. Um, he laughs That's at funny. her jokes and says that I need therapy. Okay. Uh, so, but she's awesome. And she's my everything. She's the mother of my children. She's my best friend. Uh, sorry, president company even included in that. Um, and, but my love for Christ and for God should far surpass my love for her to the point it's as if I hate her. That's will, hard. Yeah, you will do whatever it takes to please God. And, yeah. you know, sometimes if your wife wants you to do something immoral or she is not supporting you in an endeavor to pursue God, then it's like, well, I have to, I'd rather choose God over man. And, um, and that is, that is something that we need to consider. Um, I, that's one of the best parts about having such a supportive wife. Like I have, like she supports me and my endeavors yeah. and she's behind me 1000%. I couldn't ask for a better wife, same as you. And it's one of the things, but that's one of the things that we've talked about many times in our marriage is we need to always yeah. be pursuing God, pursue God yeah. above all things. Yeah. And, um, then, you know, so family relationships, friendships, certain people, they will start prioritizing their friends and other fr relationships because some people don't want to offend their friends and family. Yeah. So they will do whatever it takes for them as opposed to just doing what God would want them to do. Yeah. And then there's one you said earlier when we were talking. Yeah. And this one, I was like, oh my goodness. This the, is going this is gonna so to be good. the, so when you talk about the road to hell being paved with good intentions, grace can become an idol. Okay. The moment we start talking about the rules and the regulations and the things that the commandments of God, we always love to say, oh, we're under grace, not the law. And we are. I mean, Paul clearly says in Romans 6, 14 to 15, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. But he follows that up immediately and says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. And actually right before that in Romans 6, 1 through 2, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who are dead to sin still live in it? And so this pits grace, living in grace for sin, and, and sin in this weird, weird dynamic. And so we have to define what sin is. And I love that this verse is also in 1 John. Because one, that means it's in the New Testament. And because the... Now... This is going to eliminate half of our audience right here. So I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, as weird as this sounds, I am a Torah observant Baptist. Okay. Um, I keep kosher. That started when I was doing that Torah class and I thought it was really cool. And I was like, well, I'll just get in the mindset while I'm doing this. And then I was diagnosed with high cholesterol and I found out pork had the highest cholesterol count. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I need to cut back on my pork. And then I found out that I don't cut back. So I was like, well, let's just cut it. So I went kosher and I started studying this out more. And, and, and I, I just, the more I studied even the new Testament, I found this is the way it's supposed to be. And, and so 1 John 3, 4 gives the perfect definition of sin. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. 
sin is lawlessness. And I actually put the King James in, in this one because it's a little bit harsher dynamic, okay? Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. If you transgress the law, it's sin. And Paul says, don't continue in sin that grace may abound. The purpose for being under the law or under grace instead of under the law was so that you could grow without threat of punishment, not so you could stay a, a baby. We were to come in and to learn according to Acts 15 and abide by those four rules so that we were free to go and learn what Moses had to say because to not do what Moses said is to break the law, and that is to sin. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and grace has been from the Old Testament, and he hasn't changed, and his righteousness hasn't changed, then I'm sorry. The law is still applicable. But we don't have to live in fear of condemnation and punishment so that we're free to grow in relationship and not under threat of, oh my gosh, if I step outside, I'm going to get smacked in the head by a two-by-four because that's the kind of father I have. No. He, Christ made the way for us to come into the covenant to come near because he says those who are in Christ are brought near to the covenant. The covenant was not made with the Gentiles. You'll find no Gentile covenant in Old or New Testament. It was made with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. And then Paul says, you who are in Messiah are brought close. You who are in Christ, whose faith is in Jesus, you're brought to the covenant, not the other way around. You are grafted in kind of idea. Yeah. Right? As he mentioned, the, the same grafting. Yes. Now, just for clarification for the rest of the audience, because now that uh, half our viewers is chopped off. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> we're pre-recording this, so we actually have no idea. Um, now, even if you're like, okay, I think that the law is still applicable, but I think some of those things, blah, blah, you know, I, I think there's some nuances there between like, you know, uh, Peter's vision, X, Y, Z on kosher laws. I, I know all the debates that exist within it. I have friends of mine who are hardcore Torah observers, and I have others who are, um, you know, not that way. So, and I hear the debate and I find it very interesting. It's a very fun debate for me to listen to. Absolutely. But either way, the point is here. Let's just, let's just, even if we take the classic Christian definition of sin, which is basically the 10 commandments, right? The, all, all the ones that Jesus directly quoted or acts 15, as you quoted. All right, let's just take that. All right, cool. Let's just, let's just work with the bare minimum for a minute. Yeah. Um, even then, I hear all the time. Well, that's why grace exists. Or you know what? It's yeah. okay because grace. And I hear that all the time to the point where I'm like, well, we're not lawless. Like yeah. even even if you are like a person who believes the law was completely fulfilled and done away with, but that there's like a new covenant with a new law. Even if you think that, you are not to do that. But we do that all the time because again, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. If we can yeah. use that proverb uh, continually here. Even think about it with the parents, parents who show too much grace for their kid and never shows law, never show discipline, their kids are always horrible. Their kids yeah. are almost always turn out terribly. Why? Because grace, too much grace can become enablement. Yep. And enablement is self-destructive. Yes. It's why, like, I I hate it all the time when people was like, oh, you know, the, Moses came with law, but Jesus came with truth and grace. And people are like, so there's truth and then there's grace. I'm like, no, you're misunderstanding that. They're not too juxtaposed things that are for combating for your priority. The yep. number one important thing is truth. Thy word is truth. Yes. The truth is that grace is important. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the number one thing in the Christian life, in, in our lives as believers. So and the truth is, sin is real, and you yep. are to abstain. 
Now that's now people will go, well, that's not gracious. Yes, it is because yeah. it is gracious to show you the correct path. But In fact, that's gracious. what that's what Romans seven says. The whole reason for giving the law was because he said, if I didn't know the law, I wouldn't know sin. Because if the law didn't say don't covet, I wouldn't know that coveting was wrong. So if we say, well, we're not under the law anymore, we don't have to even even worry about it. Well, then Paul says you're never going to know what sin is. So if you can't right. define sin, how do you know you're free from sin? Right. And that's where and that's where it's like you have to you have to understand where when the, these are not juxtap these are not ideals that are in juxtaposition to each other. The whole point yeah. of the law and the whole point of truth is to reveal things, to challenge us, to change us, to sanctify us, if we can use the term. And it's um and it's something that I, it took me a long time because I mean I, I think a lot of people like go through detox after the IFB because absolutely IFB is, is so pushy on standards. I, I have told people don't be Torah observant because <laughs> they are too close to to the legalism to the rules and the regulations. I said all it would be is more rules and regulations. I didn't start this until my perception and perspective of what the law was completely revolutionized. It went from being rules and regulations to how to please my father. It went right. to the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It went to, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. It became the law of grace. Right. Well, it turned into uh, you, an expression of your love. Yes. As opposed to. But the giving of the law. The well, and the giving of the law became an expression of God's love. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that it actually that bothers me uh, as well. Just the idea that the they get again Old Testament mean angry God and mm -hmm. New Testament good loving. I'm like, okay, first off, y'all haven't read Revelation if you think God has no wrath still in the New Testament. And by the okay. way, Jesus is doing a lot of that wrath stuff there yeah, too. Yeah, uh, from his mouth proceeds <laughs> a sword. Um, Study and, uh, the kinsman redeemer. He's going to be pretty angry when he comes back because he's doing vengeance. Right. And then you have the, but in the Old Testament, the, the problem is with the Old Testament or the Torah or the Tanakh is that people, people actually misunderstand the laws. And it's because, and I get it. If it's, it's you're so, we are so far removed from that world. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't, if you don't have a Hebraic teaching, you don't have a, an ancient uh, Middle Eastern or Near Eastern worldview, it's really hard to understand some of those laws. But once yeah. you understand them, actually, I started going, like, I actually told, like, I'm going through, uh, I got my daughter, um, which is about a year old, I bought a nice Bible with journaling uh, margins. And I'm reading through the entire Bible for her and I'm making notes from dad to her, essentially. Uh, little notes on the side and just, you know, underlining important areas, narrating, clarifying passages. And one of the things I loved was when I went through all the law because I started, now that I studied this out quite a bit, I was like, oh my goodness, people get this so wrong. They don't understand yeah. what, what the intention was and what the world was and why these were laws, to, why these were laws to begin with. And if I could quote uh, Seamus here, he says, yeah, don't judge God's law by your post-Geneva uh, <laughs> post convention worldview. Um, right. So anyway, uh, the, the whole point here is not... Uh, is to make sure that you are not making an idol out of grace to the point where you are enabled. Um, I, in fact, I, I yes. had the whole, I got into a whole kadard about a month or two ago with some people in my own church on that topic because they felt I was being too harsh. Um, and on, on a topic of me dealing with those who've been manipulated by narcissists. Um, now, uh, if you've ever been, wait, that came party, up again. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a continual thing. Uh, but, uh, as someone who's been around a lot of narcissists in his life, um, 
a friend of mine made the observation that, hey, if you've been abused by a narcissist, instead of one, instead of wallowing in self-pity or being told that you're a perfect little angel with good intentions, maybe you should just in, in inspection, take some responsibility and figure out what it was that allowed you to be manipulated and controlled. What yeah. area in your life was, was wrong that allowed them to take advantage of you? And that's a good question to ask yourself. And, yeah. but the problem is a lot of people who are being taken advantage of narcissists are using grace to such a point where they are letting, are abusing it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just funny how that worked. And a lot of people were upset and they were telling me I wasn't being gracious for that. And I'm like, actually, I think it's the opposite. I am telling people to be gracious because I'm asking them to have grace on themselves, yeah. right? To have grace on reality and to say no when someone is being evil or has ill intent. So the yep. point is here is that you have to be very careful with what idols we have in our lives. In fact, last year, um, all right, another story time with Will, Jeremy. I, uh, by the way, I'm an open book, so anyone who listens to the church split <laughs> knows that Will's just going to spill all the beans all the time. Um, Brian, so is never go to Will for counseling because he'll tell the world. <laughs> leaky faucet, man. Uh, Brian always gives me a hard time for that. He's like, "Well, I can't tell you anything. You might say it on the podcast." Um, so, but uh, uh, Brian's way more private on here than I am. But just like just, Vegas, what happens in Vegas ends up on YouTube. Right, exactly. Um, I, and honestly, I'll just quickly say the reason why I'm open is because I think in order for us to bear one another's burdens, we have to be open and honest. So if I'm yeah. open and honest about my my what's happened, what's going on in my life, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, uh, it gives people permission to do the same. Because um, yes. I needed that. Uh, and it took me a long time to become comfortable being so open. So anyway, um, last year was a lot for me. Um, not only are, am I trying to figure out how to be a father, okay, because that's a that's a bit of a trip, but I started a new career, and the career is a very daunting career, high high performance-based career, yep. in a very difficult uh, industry. And not only that, but I was also in school, and I was also running the podcast. And you were and, getting kicked out of a network. <laughs> yes, getting kicked out of a network. <laughs> And then I was also dealing with, um, you know, I was stepping up at my church, teaching at my church. And, uh, you know, there's so many things I had going on. And it got to the point where um, Brian and I, Brian had used to come over like two, three times a week. And we'd just hang out and we'd record one of those nights. And it, was, it got to the point where he'd just come over after 8 o'clock at night after I come home from work. We'd, we'd record and that was about all we saw each other. And that happened for months. And I just remember I felt I was burnt. I was burnt, burnt, burnt. And I just felt like I never saw my wife. I never saw my daughter. Yeah. I never, and then I started thinking to myself, and this was a moment, like I had a moment was with a, what is my priority right now? Like, is it to be a, is it to be a podcaster? Is it to be a theological personality? Um, when it came to the, to the podcast itself, uh, is it to, be a great church leader? Is it to be a great student? Is it to be a great provider? I sort of realized what I was doing is I was pulling myself to drag, I, I, was, I was ripping myself apart and making myself too thin. So I took a break on some things and I, I, I shifted priorities. And because I realized I was making an idol out of all the things in my life yeah. that I thought were huge priorities. But you know what my real priority was? To follow God, make time for him, and then to take care of that which he gave me as my responsibility, my wife and my daughter. Yep. Like my wife and my daughter are my responsibility. He gave them to me as, and I'm the father. I'm the one who's supposed to be the provider spiritually and emotionally to my family. And I can't do that if I'm always absent. Yep. And that was a, it was a, one of those like things where I'm like, okay, I, cause I'm a very, and Jeremy, you're probably similar. I'm a very capable person. 
you, when someone goes, Will, can you do this? I, I can figure it out. Give me time and I can figure it out. Um, be, so because of that, I have a tendency to take on things. Oh, also, I had us. Uh, I had Micah and Julius move in with us. Um, oh yeah, yep, yeah, that they, happened. They moved in with us for a few months, and it's like, you know, so I do all the stuff. I take on all the stuff, and I just like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And you know what? I can't. Yeah. And I had to stop making an idol of the of doing all of these things while missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That's how, and I think sometimes that's how Satan can work. He wants to keep you distracted. He wants to, he wants to bury you under pressure and you just should have succumbed. So those are some things that I went through where I definitely realized I had that. And the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, and if you want to comment on all of that, uh, you can, and, but also idolatry of personality with people and leadership yeah. and things like that. Yep, absolutely. It's very easy. Uh, the pastor is one of the easiest people to turn into an idol. When I preach, I all one, um, I, I have somehow ended up in, in a spot of having to preach things that I struggle with. So I will often get up. I, we did a series in Sunday school where I was working with another guy going back and forth on the book of James. And I ended up with the chapter on the tongue. And so I just started the whole thing off with, okay, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to say things in here that you shouldn't do that I am guilty of. So if you have had the, if you're sitting here listening to me saying, wait, you did that when we talked. Yes, I did. And I was wrong. So just, just know I'm, I'm a work. Like, don't expect me to be perfect. I'm not. Um, I, I challenge our people almost every time that I preach to be a Berean, check it. I find it very intriguing that the one church that's mentioned Paul having gone to that he didn't seem to write a letter to was the Bereans. He talked to everybody else, but he never once wrote a letter to the Bereans. He just said they were more noble because they searched the scriptures and actually made sure that what I said was right. So that's actually yeah. really funny. That's a good observation. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other thing I try to do when, when I teach is give some kind of uh, litmus test you know, a spiritual thermometer, so to speak. And so for idolatry, I think the best thing you can ever do is ask about everything in your life. If God asked me to give this up, would I, or could I? And if your answer is anything other than a fast and resounding yes, it's probably an idol. But the problem is most people that I've found wouldn't even say yes or no. The answer would be, my God wouldn't do that. If I had to ask someone, hey, let, let's scrap the fact here. Okay, actually, let, let's do something that isn't actually a biblical law, okay? If God asked you to give up Chick-fil-A, could you? Would you? Whoa. Okay. Okay. I'm getting out of control, Jerry. But now, now, now let's put that into a real example. If God asked you to give up pork, could you? Would you? Well, my God wouldn't do that. Your God already did. For 4,000 years, the entirety of the Old Testament, it was wrong. And all of a sudden, you think Jesus loosened that law, and yet that makes him a false prophet according to the rules of Deuteronomy, which makes him unqualified to be the Messiah if he loosened a law. Doesn't matter all the miracles, all the wonderful things he did. If he loosens one law, He's a false prophet and no longer worthy to bear the title Messiah.
and Which so is you, also what was the problem with the view of Jesus because there's this really simplistic view of yeah. Messiah coming here and being like, I just challenged all of Judaism and I'm not Jewish yeah. myself. And it's like, no, no, he followed the law. Like he again, kept you it. might believe you might believe Jesus fulfilled the law in some way that yeah. made it null and void. But again, to sit there and say well, like that whole idea of like, oh my like you said, my God would never ask me to give up X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I always find that interesting because I'm like, well, you don't know what your life is gonna I you know what? I bet you somebody asked Job that question. Right. You know, think about the, think about the, like, oh God, my God would never ask me to give this stuff up. Never Meanwhile, asked me to give up my children. I'm supposed to love them and to keep them and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Smack, they're dead. Now what? Yeah. You still it, gonna it, serve me? Right. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, uh, now granted, of course, Satan was the one who did that or whoever the accuser was. There's some debate and scholarship about that, but that's not here nor there. But my point is, is like, you might say that God might not do, like God might not ask you to give up certain things, but he might yeah. ask you to go on a missions field. He might ask you to give up certain uh, material things. He might ask you to still love him yeah. despite the fact that you had a miscarriage or something along that nature. Now, granted, is that always God? I don't think so. I don't think God is sitting there like, you know, killing people left and right just to make you worship him like some cruel, abusive father. Okay, I'm not a Calvinist. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Sorry, it was right there. It there. Is. Um, but my, my point is, if people can hopefully read through all the ranting and rambling, is that God might ask you to give up some things and things yeah. that you might not like. Guess what? We had My wife and I gave up a lot in ministry. We gave up 10 years of our lives uh, making barely any scraps at all trying to serve. Yeah. And it was weird because every there was a period of time I was offered a position, um, by the way, that would lead into being a president of a school as well. I was offered a position like the, of, of that sort, and I was making pennies at a tiny country church. Okay, I need you to understand. Like, this position was everything every boy wanted when he went to Bible school. Were you offered to replace Bill Reeves? <laughs> it's not that big. It's fine. Um, but uh, I, I remember I was like, I, you know, I was starstruck. There's an item. Yeah. It yeah. was the idol of money. It was the idol of comfort. It was the I and of course you could justify, oh, I'm doing it for the kingdom. Yeah. Oh, but it's all God's work. And yeah. I could do it. And you know, it's funny as I did not feel peace, but I wanted it so bad. And it was this I've never experienced, I think, something where I wanted something so bad that I was so not at peace about. Because I also knew that the church had been through a lot and it was not the time for the shepherd to leave. And I knew if I left, it'd probably crumble. And yeah. but I wanted it, man. And I remember uh, I was on the phone with my father-in-law, who, by the way, is IFB, and him and I disagree on a number of things, but I have, I love him and respect him, and he's, he's him say with me. And I, I was like, so, Dad, let me tell you. And I told him and about the position. I was like, sounds pretty sweet, right? And he, he's like, well, how do you feel about it? I was like, well, honestly, I, I, I'm still praying about it. And, you know, I gave, like, the vague answer. And he goes, well, <laughs> let me tell you this. If you're not at peace about it, and it's like he knew, yeah. If not at peace about it, then it's not God's will. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, but you know what? It was one of those things where I, I had to learn, guess what? I got, well, my God would never ask me to give up all uh, such income and such opportunity. He might, yeah. you know, he might ask things for you that, from you that are, that are painful, but are you willing to give that up? Yeah. 
First and I mean, John, let's be honest. Yeah. People make it way too big of a deal over kosher law. Like, I mean, look, whether you're a Torah observant or not, if you're not a Torah observer and you're not a kosher keeper, can you at least not make it a big deal that someone chooses not to eat pork and uh, and seafood right? of certain sorts? Like, can we please? I'm not going to lie. I love shrimp and I live in the South and catfish is everywhere. And I like, I love catfish, but you know, Every once in a while, I miss the taste of bacon. We actually stopped at Bucky's, and because uh, I had to drive uh, somebody out to North Carolina, and I had never been there, and they had the best. Uh, it was beef brisket, but I swear, when I finished eating it, my mouth tasted like I had just eaten pork skins, um, and I loved pork skins. You know, my favorite meal growing up was biscuits and gravy, and my mom always made it. She didn't make sausage gravy; she did bacon gravy. So she took the bacon grease, and it's just my mouth waters thinking about it, you know, but I don't regret it. I have zero regrets about giving it up. If you do something for God with the right motive, you're okay with giving it up. And again, whether you are Torah observant or not, remember, this is me, you need a divided body. I'm absolutely, absolutely. I I have to now mediate (laughs) garbage. And I want you to know that. Hey, you wanted to find out where I was a heretic. We covered one L element of it yeah i really don't <laughs> care about your diet <laughs> like uh, i said whenever whenever I hear that people are like oh you're a judaizer yeah. and i'm like oh my gosh now, i have no idea how uh, let, let's talk about united uniting a divided body my wife is not kosher okay so you're having to live and breathe it right now i yeah and actually, we got to a point. I said, hey, I think this is what I want to do. And I told him, it was like, you know, if, if there's a weird situation where it's like, you know, if that's the only thing to eat, sure, I'll, I'll you know, I'm not going to go crazy on this. This is when I first started. And it got to the point that I was eating pork everywhere except at home because I couldn't, I didn't have self-control. And she said, Jeremy, that's not fair to me. And I said, no, you're right. And she said, you either need to decide, is this something God wants you to do or not? And so I was like, okay, clean break. I was working at a recording studio. I do audio engineering. I forgot to mention that. I was working at a recording studio, doing the management, doing a lot of build build outs, things like that. And they served me food every day. And it was amazing. And I had to, so I, you know, they weren't Christian. They weren't going to understand. And because it does benefit my cholesterol, I just said, you know, I'm going back on this diet. My weight's kicking back up. I can tell I'm hitting a point where I need, need to get this under control. So I'm, I'm going back on the kosher diet. They went and bought turkey. I mean, they fed me turkey, chicken, beef, anything that wasn't pork. Like, I mean, the studio owner's wife and, and her friend, like they did all the cooking. It was absolutely, I mean, like bagel sandwiches, like definitely not healthy, you know, but they didn't put pork on it. Like they, they worked with me. Um, and, you know, but I, I haven't asked my wife to do that because she's not there. Okay. Somebody once asked, if a Christian wanted to become Torah observant, what do you got to do? And, and Brad Vasquez actually answered it beautifully. He said, we're not talking about going full rabbinic Judaism here. Okay. Just, in, just from a more or less sola scriptura perspective, observe Sabbath. By the way, I very rarely have ever worked Saturdays. And because I worship on Sundays as a Baptist, Sundays are very busy for me. So Saturday is a great day for me to rest. Um, he said, so observe those. Observe the seven holy days. Why wouldn't you? We're Americans for Pete's sake. We invent holidays. We take holidays that aren't our <laughs> own. We, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo and St. Patrick's Day. Why are you so offended that someone wants to celebrate a biblical Passover? 
Seriously, okay. Though. I mean, I've, come I'll on. I'll never understand the people who are like, I don't you get celebrating the obs- at Pentecost? How dare you? Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. All we do, we look for reasons to celebrate. We invent, we have a whole month. This month is Black History Month because we need a reason to celebrate that. Okay. We've got Valentine's Day. We've got New Year's. Half the people celebrate Chinese New Year's now. I mean, we will look for any We invented Star Wars Day Maybe to celebrate that culture. Yes. And it's a great day. I have two family members born that day. So why are you upset? I know, right? (laughs) Why are we upset about saying we should add a few more? And those ones, and and I actually have a series again on my YouTube channel. I went through, uh, it took four weeks and we walked through those and the pattern of redemption. I'm sorry. I'm sick of Easter. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it first fruits because Jesus was the first fruits from the grave. And that is something we should celebrate every single year. Why do we have to rename it with something Greek? Let's pull it back to its original meaning because he came to fulfill the law. He gave it so much more meaning. So that, that was on the list. He said, do that, you know, celebrate Sabbath, celebrate the Sabbath days and give up pork and a few things of seafood. That's it. Most Christians are already that compliant because of our culture. Because well, of, that's, a, that's actually one of the funny things that they don't realize that most Christians yeah. are very Torah observant in many ways. <laughs> I, I had to laugh. You did that poll uh, saying, you know, if you had to choose to be Torah observant, Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, which one would you choose? And there were over a hundred votes and 9% said Torah observant and Eastern Orthodox was way up and Catholicism was somewhere in the middle. We have such a disdain for the old Testament, for the Torah, because it's, it's been inbred. Okay. Uh, Like it's horrible how much is in there, but yet David said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. There's so much positive spoken about the law of God. And I know we didn't, we, we didn't come on to talk about Torah observance, but we have made our hatred of everything Jewish because they killed Jesus an idol. We now hate something. I, I got on a Twitter debate, something you should never do, um, but it, it, I made a statement, Will published it, and people went crazy. Um, and someone tried to say that justification and salvation were different things, and Paul didn't believe that. So I posted an article that said, Paul believed that justification and salvation were the same. And the guy's comment was not, I don't believe it, I think this article's wrong. It was, I'm not going to trust my Jewish learning for my education. He didn't want to refute the article. He didn't want to read the article. He saw the source location. And because it was Jewish, threw it out. Well, this goes, okay, so real back, let's roll back to make it. All right. I'm going to apply this and then I'm going to comment on that real fast. Okay. All right. So back to the idolatry of ideology. Mm Mm-hmm. If you are so rooted to the point where you're like, well, no, my understanding is the only way that understands, well, then you're almost making an idol, an idol again, even over of your own intellectual understanding of things. Like I cannot yes. be wrong. There's a certain like pride there a certain, another form of an idol. I've gotten to the point now where I try not to speak ignorantly of people's positions. If I'm not familiar with it, I'm like, I, I right. actually know that that's new. Okay. Uh, can you explain that to me? Cause I, okay. How, what do you do this? Just ask them like, how, well, how, what about this? What about that? It doesn't seem right because of this. And I kind of, and they kick my butt in an argument. Cool. You'll probably change my mind. I'll, 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 or at least if anything else, I'll jump in front of a bullet and defend your position. Cause I understand it. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to uh, that, I actually today had a conversation with somebody and I uh, was sharing uh, like the conversation where it, 
uh, where, where David says, in sin, my mother conceived me. I was brought uh, that whole concept. Now, if anyone yes. studies anything to do with uh, commentary on that passage, either you're going to get an Augustinian approach, which is simply that God, or that simply that uh, mankind were all born evil and idol in uh, sin, Correct. and uh, brought forth in sin, and were born in sin. Or you can get uh, go back further and find uh, Jewish commentary on the topic, which is that he's what he, that David was or was considered to be a product of adultery um, with Miss Beth with uh, Jesse, and yep. um, I, which is why his brothers had disdain for him. Which is why he wasn't called when Samuel said, "Call your sons." You know, right? Exactly. It, it actually lines up very nicely with the story of David. Right, and it actually answers those holes that otherwise wouldn't make sense if everything yep. else was legitimate. They just hated him for some arbitrary reason that we don't know. Yeah. So then what you have here is, so then I, I just posted that. I was like, hey, buddy, like here, check this out. This is actually pretty well known. There's two different sources um, discussing. Uh, one of them basically makes out that he was a product of adultery. The other one was like, well, no, he was just considered to be because of this situation. Yeah. Um, whatever point is, is that he was considered to be, okay? Whether he was or wasn't, I, no, that's not neither here nor there. Um, I tend to believe that they they considered to be one. I think that's actually probably more accurate, but that's just my own opinion. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and what I got was careful of taking Jewish sources because they rejected Messiah. Yeah. And I was like, that, well, not only it's a genetic fallacy, but it's also like, dude, that there is just untrue because... Yeah. The apostles were Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> all but like all the gospel writers, let's, all let's the be epistles real. besides Luke. <laughs> and there's actually speculation Luke was, and that like the Luke that we know of in the Bible wasn't the actual author. There's a couple cool books on that. Um, but that, that, that's way off topic. Uh, and in fact, but if you look at Pentecost and all that, like the the church up until really Cornelius was completely Jewish. Right. And, and, and you know, I, I heard someone talk when Brad and Seamus gave their definition of Peter's vision and their explanation. They, <laughs> my wife is shushing me. I'm getting a little loud. We've got sleeping children. Um, they, somebody got, I, I gave that same definition one time and someone goes, well, I think Peter knew what he should do when, you know, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, okay, first off, or to every creature, I said, well, first off, clearly it didn't work. Because Acts 11 says, by this I knew salvation had also come to the Gentiles. Peter wasn't going to the Gentiles. The church wasn't going to the Gentiles. And in Acts 15, we find that throughout all the known world, there were synagogues. The Jews had been scattered. So to them, what they clearly understood, whether this was the instruction or not, what they clearly understood was, we're to carry the gospel to all the Jews throughout the world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Because in every city... Moses has, Moses is taught, right? That's what Acts 15 says. And so clearly the Great Commission didn't either, either wasn't recorded as we hear it because there's the speculation that they stopped after just go, or they had a great misunderstanding. I forgot where I was headed with all that, but other than to explain that that fun story that someone shared with me, but probably is your Bible geeking right now. So I am Bible geeking. <laughs> I do that a lot. My, my sermons tend to be heavy with scripture. Um, even if I don't give the references, cause I think you mentioned you're this way. I, I don't remember a lot of references. So if it's not in my notes, I just start quoting uh, well, a so lot. I, I, I quote, there's lots of quotes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's take it back and then uh, we'll do some, uh, we'll just some closing thoughts real fast. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess the point of all this, despite despite um, the the the, the, <laughs> the many rabbit trips, yes. yeah, is is that you, we have to be careful on what we put on as our top priorities. Yes, and and we have to be careful with where we put God in those things, and if we are sometimes even with good intentions, yeah, putting things above Him. Yeah. And above what he his best for us because he is doing it he he wants the best for his children he he doesn't yeah. want them to be to suffer and be hated and have a horrible life he wants the best for his his children his creation which is why he sent his son to redeem it correct um, so because he wanted the best for him he wanted to give him life abundant um, and that's through eternal life through Jesus Christ but yeah. anyway um, so you want you want God's priorities. He said, love right. God, love people. On these hang the law and the prophets. And, and I used to meet, hear that preached as, well, if, if you do those two things, you'll fulfill it all. And then I actually realized the, the metaphor is beautiful. And I know they didn't have hangers like we have. But if you look at a wire coat hanger and you take a coat, and if that coat represents the law and the prophets and you hang that on that hanger, okay, that hook on the hanger represents love God, love people. If you don't do that, you might as well straighten that that hook. It's going to fall. Mm -hmm. Okay? God's priority. You can keep all the commandments, but if you don't do those two things, it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. You can do those two things and do nothing else. And it does have some meaning. But the fullness of the gospel and God's priorities is to do those two things. And through those, if you love me, keep my commandments express your love through those commandments, but don't do them out of strict service. Don't become a Martha. If you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, the serving doesn't matter. You still, God's priorities is love me and love, love people. Right. And, and again, you can, even with your great intentions, you can run into some place that is just not where you're supposed to be. And yeah. I ran into that last year. I, I put myself in some really, just really difficult situations and I was just burnt. Um, which is why it took me so long to even have you on. I was just, I, honestly, I was <laughs> scrambling all the time. Um, so, uh, which is, but it's good things. Uh, made, I have made adjustments and I have realized where I was putting my own idols in my own life. Yes. And, it's been and I, ha very I have crossed the Jordan River and made it out of the wilderness and into the promised land of church split guests. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a very esteemed position, trust me. Um, you don't Somebody will call me a heretic. It's all right. Yeah, well, that's definitely going to happen because you're a Torah observant. Because that's right. For whatever reason, we're we're okay with about every other teaching on planet Earth besides uh, prosperity gospel, progressive Christianity, and apparently Torah observers, um, which I think I'd have much further problems with other areas there that were mentioned than someone's diet and when, what day they choose to transubstantiation. Rest, but, yeah, yeah. So many other issues I have. Issue, uh, anyway, yeah. We'll, we we can talk about that another time. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, uh, do you have anything else before we uh, close up shop here? No, I think I'm good. All right, cool. So, guys, uh, just check your heart. That's why I say that this is going to be a different episode because this one's going to be this one's more about your spiritual health and your and your mindset and spiritually. It was it wasn't like the, a standard academic episode. It was just a, kind of a sharing of heart and um, and I actually appreciate Jeremy for sharing his heart and whether you agree with him or disagree with him on these this topic, show him grace and kindness and you know at least you can respect him for where he's at. And I'm fragile. That's why Will, the real reason Will took so long to have me on. <laughs> I was waiting for that thick, that thin skin to grow thicker. Um, just kidding. But it's, it really is this just, 
I love the fact that you're just an open book as well. You're a very genuine person. It's one of the reasons why I think I've latched on to you as a friend. Yeah. Um, and I would just love to see more of that sort of thing and more conversations where people are just genuine about their spiritual growth. And just remember, we are we should not sense that grace may abound. Uh, you know, God yeah. forbid it, let it be forbidden. And um, work out your salvation in a sense with fear and trembling, so to speak. In yes. other words, have a respect for God, put them in a proper place and not out of just in a place where you're like, oh my goodness, I'm terrified of the Lord, but in a place where you're like, I love him and I want to honor yeah. him just like I would love and honor my wife, you know? So, yeah. um, in fact, uh, her and I just had a similar conversation with you and said, well, honey, if you choose to go uh, these directions, just know I might not be ready for that yet. And I was yeah. like, that's okay. We'll work. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. No, I'm not forcing anyone down any paths. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, guys, I really do appreciate you guys watching. Um, I, I apologize that the content has slowed down recently. Um, we just, I, I've had things going on and I had a kidney stone and then I was like, I was like basically out for like two weeks there. So guys, I apologize. But we do you have should more see the text recently. messages I have from him when he was under pain meds. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There were no text messages. I, I was going to say that I, that's possible. I was texting people. Sorry, I, I can't be responsible for anything I'm saying. I'm on drugs. Um, so anyhow, guys, uh, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Uh, all you audio listeners, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Text this episode to a friend who you think might appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next episode. So take care and God bless.